Makeup Artist Chronicle 2022. Give me that microphone! Welcome. I am Julia. Welcome back to the Makeup Artist Chronicle podcast. I am so excited. New year, new podcast. Just kidding. Same old, amazing, vulnerable, open, beautiful conversations with beauty insiders in this space. I have a guest for y'all today. I have a guest. It's not just me going on and on and on. Although, if you want an episode where I answer your burning skincare, makeup, beauty industry questions, whatever the case may be, or if you just want to share some of your stories when it comes to beauty, like your pivotal, most pivotal beauty moment. Those are always my favorite. Please, please leave me a voicemail. It's 877-THE-MUAC, so 877-T-H-E-M-U-A-C, all spelled out beautiful on the keypad. Um, So yeah, leave me a voicemail with your pivotal beauty memories or your beauty questions, beauty industry, skincare, makeup, whatever the case is. You can also DM me those questions or email them to me, muachronicle at gmail.com or at muachronicle on all the socials. So yeah, I look forward to hearing from you all. But today, it is not just me. My guest today is Amanda McIntosh. Amanda is the founder of Take My Face Off, which is the brand that is trying to revolutionize how we clean our skin, how we take off our makeup. So how this brand got started, she'll go into detail a little bit more, but essentially Amanda is a classically trained musician. And she found that when she would get home from her shows, having worn a lot of makeup on stage, as we know, you know, anyone who's ever danced or played music or, you know, been in theater, of course, you wear a lot of makeup for your look. So she would come home, take it off. She was using washcloths and she found one, not sustainable, not for the environment, but also not for her routine. So she set out on a mission to find a better way to cleanse her skin. She found this fabric after many, many tries, it's this lovely plush Korean fabric that was sourced by only one manufacturer. And again, she'll go into detail in our conversation, but it's basically this teardrop shape that you slip onto your finger, wet it with water, and then rub it gently on your face. And your makeup is gone and it's gentle and it's reusable and it's rewashable. And it's called the MIDI. The brand Take My Face Off also has cleansing oil and a bunch of other really, really great products for the health of your skin and a great way to take your makeup off. I'm so excited she sat down to talk to me because her journey, like so many people that I'm talking to and getting to know and so many of you that are listening, this might resonate with you. Her path was not linear. So many of our paths are not linear. And it's so exciting. She still plays music. She's still, you know, a musician. She goes on stage, but she has this other business. And she talked a lot about, you know, as a creative, how do you deal with the pitfalls? How does she deal deal with the pitfalls? How does she deal with fear? How does she deal with failure? This company and this product took a lot of time to come to fruition and a lot of 
practice and a lot of failure and a lot of getting back up and doing the thing. So this was one of the most inspirational conversations I've had to date. I'm so excited. I got a chance to sit down with her and talk to her and obviously we're besties now. I adore her. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Amanda McIntosh, founder of Take My Face Off and The Makeup Midi. Amanda, welcome. So uh, welcome to the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I'm already getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited to talk to you and your journey. Um, Thank you so much for being here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for chatting. Um, I know a little of your journey and how you got to be where you are being a beauty brand founder, uh, the founder of Take My Face Off, um, the sustainable alternative to washcloths. But before we kind of talk about where you are now, I would love to take it back to maybe your earliest beauty memory. What was, you know, did you have a pivotal moment in your life where you were like, oh, this stands out, this space I really enjoy, let me be here for a little bit? You know, it never occurred to me that I would be in beauty, but it was always fascinating to me when I was a kid. My mom was a person who she had a really rough upbringing Mm -hmm. and she was very beautiful. And that actually created challenges for her because the way people looked at her maybe didn't match how she felt. She maybe didn't feel comfortable in a lot of the the settings she found herself. I mean, she was also, she is a genius. Um, and so she was entering all sorts of worlds that she'd never seen modeled from anybody else. And she was always very concerned about how she put herself together. And so when she was looking at the mirror, um, putting makeup on, I, 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 you could sense, is this the right color? Is this enough mascara? Is this, there's like worry. And then she kind of had it on like armor and she would go out and she has an interesting aesthetic sense. She's, she's, um, she's very good at seeing what looks good. And I would see her critique other people's makeup and she would apply kind of the same criticism to them that she would to herself. Oh, that's a horrible color on her. And there was like a lot of judgment. So beauty, when I was a kid, it was impressive, but it was also a little scary. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with kind of how my mom used it. And then later I developed a lot of skin problems and then it became an answer for me to cover up the skin problems and, you know, kind of a, a godsend in that sense, since I grew up in the South where you wear a lot of makeup anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was always a useful thing. And it wasn't until much later that I thought about this option of, of joining it. And I had a lot of mental hurdles to get past um, before I did, but, but, but I found a way in. Can you talk a little bit about those mental hurdles if you're comfortable? Like what were sure. they? Sure. I mean, um, you know, there's always the feeling that you don't fit in wherever. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's just like just like part of the human condition. I feel like most of us feel like we don't really fit in. And um, I had never. So I'm a I'm a classical musician. That's what I wound up doing. And I don't really fit in as a classical musician. And I just, again, thought it's just part of the human condition. Um, now I realize it's because like, I just like doing too many new things, but, uh, and then I had this idea for a beauty company. And so I was trying to figure out how to make it happen, how this would work. I was trying to learn about the industry. And so what I actually did, and this was, is what I would recommend to anybody trying any kind of new role on is I went, I found professional networking events. And I went to them as many as possible. First, I just dropped in on the world's biggest beauty trade show, Cosmoprof in Las Vegas one year. And I just, I got a badge and I just walked around and I talked to every person I could and I soaked it up. 
And then I started joining um, Cosmetic Executive Women, which is kind of like the business side of the beauty industry. And I started going to their things you can pay for a membership, which isn't that expensive. And you can show up to these receptions and go to talks. And these days there's a million online things, but you, you try a roll on and you like, you try and meet people and you try imagining yourself in that thing. And sometimes it's good because sometimes you it's you try it on and you're like, oh, this isn't me. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you try it on. And you're like, you know what? I'm not uh, this isn't me yet or they don't have somebody like me, but I could see myself fitting in here. And, and for me, it eventually worked out. Yeah, I th- there's this almost recurring theme um, that comes up in these conversations of when you find something that and I'm kind of going through it myself, when you find something that gives you that spark of joy or gives you that maybe even that excitement that's maybe it has a little bit of fear peppered in but overall it's exciting it's something new it's something that you're like I could really enjoy myself in this space that kind of begins to trump all of those other moments of like doubt or fear or I and so it's I'm kind of working my way through that right now because I I grew up with a lot of self-doubt and a lot of, oh, well, I'll never be as good as, you know, seeing these people comparing my first draft to someone's final draft. And I'm finding that when I'm able to lose myself for hours at a time doing something, I'm like, oh, this is way more exciting. And all the other stuff kind of falls away. Did you begin to notice that? Or do you still notice that? I, I did. And I do. I love what you just said about first draft, comparing your first draft to their their final draft. That's such a, a great way to remember anytime we, we are doing something and we're watching somebody else, we're usually looking at their final draft. That's, I got to remember that. That's really helpful. Um, yeah. And, and something else you said I love is about fear. Because, you know, hopefully there's the excitement and the attraction to something, you know, there has to be or you shouldn't be doing it. But if there's no fear that's a sign you're not stretching yourself. You know, that that's a sign that maybe there's not really any growth involved. And that's kind of not any good if you're never stretching yourself, if you're never really trying anything. So it, that the combination of, of interest, excitement and fear is a magical one. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can find such fantastic things. Um, but yeah, there's, sorry, there, there's so many great parts of your, your thing you just said there. Thank you. Um, I had so many, a lot of baked in self-doubt as a musician, as a musician, you're like, everything is supposed to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. But the good part of being a musician is that this ridiculous perseverance. So for us to get that good, we have to learn how to get from here to here, usually on our own. You know, there's a standard and you have to find a way to meet it. And so that does um, confer some fantastically organized thinking, some like how, how to solve problems thinking, um, and when I went into the beauty space, I didn't actually do it in order to go into the beauty space. If I'd realized at first that I was really getting into the beauty space, I might've gotten too scared and run away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this, so what happened to me, you didn't exactly ask, but I'm going to launch into if you don't mind. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I was driving home from a late night concert and I'd been doing the oil cleansing method mm-hmm. where you massage a lot of oil into your skin and you wipe it off with a washcloth. I actually do not, I have weird skin, but not sensitive skin. Okay. But the washcloths that I was using for this, just basic terry cloth, were rubbing my skin raw. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really aggravating. And I also was going through too many washcloths before laundry day because I wanted to use a clean one each time. 
And I knew I needed more, but every time I wanted to buy more, I couldn't find anything any better than what I had. And I hated what I had. Just these gross, thick squares of terry cloth that took forever to dry before I could put them in the laundry were just yucky, all the, all the things. And so I'm driving home late one night and I, I'm really loving this skincare routine I'm doing. And I'm like, well, what do I do? How do you wipe the oil off? I don't have any clean washcloths. Do I use a gross one and kind of like wash it with soap right there? No. Do I get a paper towel? Oh, that's like fiberglass. I shouldn't do that. And in that moment, I was like, this is stupid. This is skincare. Mm -hmm. Why has no one come up with a better fabric for skincare? Why is there no washcloth that, that works better? And it really lit me up because I have a lot of crazy ideas, but lots of them seem really, really impractical or too hard. And I don't, I don't know how to build that or engineer that. Or, But this one, it was really centered on fabric at first, which didn't seem so impossible. And the more I thought about it, it's like, well, also washcloths are ugly. Also, they're really thick and they take a long time to dry. Also, they retain stains, you know, all, like all these things. Also, they're clumsy. So I started thinking, what could you improve upon? And I was really taken by this idea. And the next thing I knew, I was like, well, that's basically a skincare product. That's basically a beauty product. And I'd already gone a little bit down this path before I kind of realized what I was doing. And I, I kind of backed up because I have always loved makeup. I have always loved mm -hmm. aesthetics, but I never saw myself as being a fancy enough person or a cool enough person to ever have any place in anything like that. But I kept doing it. And then the real thing that changed for me was when I was researching, I'm like, well, if I were to enter the space, what would you, what would they look like? And I started looking at what would, would the competition be? Is there any? Realizing how terrible wipes and cotton balls are for the planet. Um, wipes are particularly, it's a disaster. And cotton balls are shockingly awful. Cheap cotton is really not good. So um, when I realized that, it kind of gave a mission to what had previously just been a fun or business type product project. So it was kind of you know a way to save the planet while doing something I was enjoying. So that turned it into an absolute mission. And it really erased a lot of my trepidation, erased a lot of my fear. I was going to find a way to do this. And um, as I go into new spaces uh, and I feel uncomfortable, I try to remind myself that there's always a first something. You know, I love mm -hmm. the Spanx brand story and Sarah Blakely with, with there wasn't yes. anything quite like that. And she just, she just made a space and the world is better for it every time somebody does. So. Yeah. And her success story is incredible. I don't know if you saw, she recently sold for an incredible amount of money and then I remember this and this is this stands out to me more than than anything is she was celebrating with her team and she got them all I don't know if you saw this, she got them all uh I think first class tickets to a destination of their choice and like a huge cash bonus to spend while they were traveling and it, it was just this moment of like oh this is what happens to go back to what you were saying when you do something for for a greater purpose than just oh, I want this or I need this when you do it for someone else or for the planet or, you know, when there's that that impetus that's driving you that has greater velocity than us individually we can have, it's intoxicating almost. Yeah, that video of her doing that for team. I think I'm going to tear up now just like thinking I, that. <laughs> I, we, I was crying. I was like, yes, this is this is the dream. I think so many people think when, you know, oh, when I get famous or when I launch my brand or when I'm a celebrity makeup artist or all of these things, like 
I'll get to go to the fancy parties and I'll get to have expensive things. And maybe that is, those are perks of the job. But for me, seeing those moments where people are able to give back and contribute to something greater than themselves, that, those are the moments that I'm like, oh, that's what it's all for. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, that that was incredible. Right now we're the tiniest of teams and we're we're not profitable yet, actually. Mm-hmm. But I, I aspire to have a large team and I aspire to be able to do something that amazing for them. And, you know, holy cow, people like that kind of changing, changing the model of what it means to be a business person and changing the model of what it means to be a leader. Yes. The world needs more people like that. So 100%. anybody thinking of doing anything new, please enter the arena because there just aren't enough people doing it that way. I completely agree. And I'm more and more learning this mentality of abundance versus scarcity. You know, so many people are thinking, oh, well, you know, there's already a person making this product or there's already a person doing this aesthetic. And it's like, maybe, maybe you're right. There probably is. But you, the experience that that you bring, the personality that you bring, the life that you've had that can contribute to what you can bring forward and where you can go in whatever space you choose. I think that's not to be taken lightly. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody on this planet is different and has a different set of skills and personality traits and is the right person for a different subset of people. So yeah, maybe somebody's doing that particular aesthetic or has that particular type of product, but it wouldn't be exactly like yours. And, you know, especially when it comes to something like musicians are a little bit similar to makeup artists in the sense that there's some of them have a feeling that there's only a certain number of gigs. There's only a certain number of jobs, only, only a certain number of audiences. I really don't think that's true. And I really think that the more of us are doing it and doing it in different ways that actually expands the audience to begin with bringing more of it into the world and creating more opportunities. So it's, it's not, it's not a finite, there's never a finite amount of resources. The resources come and go and change and each of us creates or blocks off more than the other people. And um, if you're just showing up and doing what you love to do, it's amazing the power that brings into the world and the things that will happen because of it. And if you're worried about you're taking somebody else's or they're taking yours, you're going about it completely wrong. It will become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's only true if you make it true. I completely agree that way. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what I've learned, because I did go into it with that mentality in the beginning. And what I've learned through my experiences is most people want you to succeed. Most people aren't going to try and hoard everything. Most people are going to say, yeah, you know, come and assist me. I need help. I'll open this door for you. I only ask that you pay it forward. And so there's this like human chain of kindness of like, yeah, you want to be here? Great. Come on in. There's, there's always room. It's so, it's so, I I might start tearing up thinking about that sense of community in the space, especially when you think of the beauty space, it brings in so much money globally. Like it's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and so many people in so many different roles are a part of it but there's always space for more. And that's something I find completely fascinating. Absolutely. And and the transformation that, that beauty can bring to a person, the sense of self-confidence that, that, 
the way that you create yourself uh, when you're involved in the beauty industry, either as the person receiving a service or the person you know delivering the expertise or creating a product, and there's always room for more people to benefit from that. And the way they do changes so much over time. One of the things that fascinates me these days is I feel like there's this massive disconnect in the world. There's all the people who think that beauty is only for people who care about their skin or who care about vanity or care about their appearance. And then there's like the rest of the world that, that thinks that somehow it's not for them, that it's frivolous. And I'm looking at them saying, you know, one skin is your largest organ and it's critical to health and we have to take care of it in your face, especially is the part that gets the most grime and the most sun. There's just a lot of stuff you should be doing to take care of it. Like you take care of your teeth. Yes. It would benefit so many of those people from their actual health to have more information about skincare in general. But also it is fun because again, it's it's about constructing yourself and constructing your image. And what a gift it could be to find ways to reach more of those people. So the more people we have working in the industry, the more mm-hmm. people we have communicating and giving the gift of beauty to all of those who so far are completely unaware that there's anything to even learn over there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think so many people think of it as, as, as something frivolous. Um, whereas, you know, yeah, your skin, keeping it healthy. I'm going through this with my fiance. When we first started dating, he's one of those people that just splashes water on his face and, and doesn't really take into consideration anything else. And, um, now he's starting to get a little sunspotting and he's like, what is this? Should I, should I go see a, someone about like, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I've been telling you sunscreen. Now we got to introduce some acids into your routine. Like, let's go, let's get it. And now he's like seeing what happens. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's not frivolous at all. It's, it's health. It's like part of the self-care journey. And it depends on how you want to, what level you want to be involved in. Someone like me, like I'll stand there and I'll just massage my face and I'll really, you know, I'll light a candle. I'll like really take the time to self-care. Other people, they just slap it on, but they take the time to actually say, okay, yes, I'm going to put on a moisturizer today because this is important. So it doesn't have to be this luxurious thing if you don't want it to be. But even that those five seconds of you just smushing in a sunscreen, that's giving yourself self-care. And I think that our subconscious absorbs that action. I think you're right. That's actually a really great point. Absolutely. I think on some level, your brain knows that you're doing something to take care of your body. And that that it's kind of a multiplier for health mm-hmm. and, and mental well-being. Even if sometimes you're not tuning into it and you're not lighting the candle and you're not thinking about it, mm-hmm. your body knows that you're doing an extra thing to take care of you. And, you know, of course, over time, the accumulated benefits of, of mentally and skin-wise are absolutely massive. Yeah. My husband was hilarious the first time I tried to get him to start washing his face. He took one of my products, which is, it's this cute little thing um, here. Sorry. I always have middies nearby and he put micellar yep. water on it, you know? So we put some micellar water on it and he used it on his face and he turned to me and he said, that was a religious experience. <laughs> yes. I'm like, well, yes. and now I'm very proud to say he's not like any kind of amazing skincare person, but he will not go to, to bed with grime on his face. Because once you you feel like what it's like to like lie down on a pillow with clean skin, it's just it's different. It's like you wouldn't go to bed with your with your teeth unbrushed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 
once hopefully you've gotten in the habit of brushing your teeth. Um, and in the mornings now, we're working on about 50% of the time he puts some sunscreen on. And it matters because he's from a super pale family and they all get you know, skin problems. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. You know, something else you said a while ago, I kind of wanted to, to chat about. There's a moment when you're doing something new, when you are terrified. And it might be a makeup artist showing up to assist for the first time on a job that they've never done. And maybe they've never even done that at all before. Um and you have to, you have to like pull yourself together and you have to like, what are you going to take away from that experience? Are you going to go home and feel like it was awful and terrible and you felt stupid and nobody talked to you? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to have a good day? And so if in that moment you can look around and you can find a thing, an ally, something to kind of focus on to, mm-hmm. to, to give you some good feelings. I've gone to a lot of beauty events when I was brand new and maybe I was walking around and maybe it, it I joke that um, I, I joke that every woman who works in beauty in the business side has beach waves and kind of a fabulous bandage style dress. And that's not really me. And so I go there and I stand and I just, I look around the room until I can find a person who maybe I could bring myself to talk to. And then I walk up and I start a conversation and almost always I make some contact that stays with me for years. Some of my favorite beauty contacts, some of the the most unbelievable experts were because we were both kind of standing there in a room, not really knowing what to do. And so we walked up. And so if you can find somebody at a job, something to kind of like focus on and do something with, give yourself a good feeling, it will give you the power um, to go back and do it again and again. And you get more and more comfortable and more and more happy. Yeah. I love that advice. I agree with you. I feel like For me, when I was starting out, I get lost down this rabbit hole of, you know, you have the influencer style of makeup, the Instagram style of makeup. And I used to manage a counter, work on a floor, and a lot of other people that worked on the floor would do that makeup. They would spend three hours in the morning getting ready. And I thought, okay, I don't know if if I can succeed in this space because that's not something that I enjoy. And that's also not something that I feel I'm good at is that style. And then I realized, oh no, that's my strength. My strength is being able to bring something new to the table and give people who also feel like maybe that's not where they're at, they could have an alternative and they can also feel included in the space. As you were saying, it's all about inclusion and it's about making people feel like they do belong here because they do. You're absolutely right. If I'd gone to a makeup floor and you'd been there, I definitely would have gone to you, especially if the other people were more the influencer style. But I mean, you radiate interest and warmth and, 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 you know, you're a person and we're all just looking for other people to interact with. And yes, you know, I am not the woman with the beach waves and the bandage style dress and the beauty uh, events, but that's why I can speak for some consumers who don't yet have a product or a brand or a thing for them. We all need to be there. Um, like yeah. Sarah Blackley doing Blackley doing leadership differently. We need to add all of our different styles and strengths so that the world has a spot for everyone and that everyone has a, a tribe to go to. Completely agree. Completely agree. I want to talk about, you had mentioned, you know, when you start out, there is that moment of like, do I belong? Where do I belong? And, and finding those grounding things. I would love to go back to the beginning of your brand and the MIDI and, you know, 
walk me through, so you have this idea and you're like, okay, it's in the fabric. How do you go from, what was your experience going from the product to the concept to the, or the idea to the concept to the finished product? It was hard. It was really hard because I was creating something that didn't yet exist. The good news is like, let's say you have an idea for a new kind of lip gloss. While it's going to be hard to create something that's different from what already exists out there, the good news is, is there are lip glosses, you know, and there are companies that can help you package it. And there are companies that can help you come up with the recipe and the marketing plan. At that point, there was no similar thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I did find the makeup eraser and for at the very beginning, I was like, oh, maybe the washcloth I'm looking for for my own personal use is just the makeup eraser. Yeah. But then I used it and I was like, no, this this isn't actually what I'm going for. But that was kind of the closest thing I could find at the time. And they're back, now they talk a little bit about replacing wipes. Back then, that was not part of their messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like trying to find a fabric, a shape, sewing factories, you name it. Um, and because I'm in LA, I was able to at least go to kind of the garment manufacturer centers. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Hey, can somebody show me fabrics that are great for personal care? Well, you mean terry cloth? No, I don't mean terry cloth. Like what else would you use on skin? Terry cloth. <laughs> and so I just would go to every, um, distributor, every warehouse, everything you could find. And these places are not open to the public. And so I had to, that's where I started getting into like some weird fashion industry stuff and like looking at places like, hi, can I come? What's your company name? I don't have a company name, but can I come look? Yeah, And I just got all these weird samples and I started applying water and soap or water and gel, gel cleanser or water and micellar water to them just to see what they did. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I came up with a favorite favorite and it was actually a really expensive Korean baby blanket cloth um, that was only imported by this one distributor in Los Angeles from Korea, which was bad, but it was also good because you have like a kind of an ironclad. We know who's making it. We know how they're making it. We know about the worker conditions. We know, we know what goes into this. We know all of that. So that's the good part is they have like a lot of confidence in that particular fabric. The bad was they're the only ones who sell it. They're only going to sell it for this price. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I was like going to places that make clothing hi, you know, can I hire one of your pattern makers? And can you help me make this? That was really frustrating. And in the end, almost everything I've done, I've kind of had to figure out for myself. I wound up buying industrial sewing machines because the pattern makers told me that it was impossible to sew this fabric into this tiny shape. And I taught myself pattern making. And then I learned how to make my product on the machine. And then I had to go to a garment factory. And luckily I speak Spanish for my years in the Spanish orchestra and convince the floor engineer, no, if you adjust the machine like this, this product is easy to make. It was just like, it was just like, I don't know, be do scary thing after scary thing after scary <laughs> thing. And eventually it worked out. And now I have my own tiny workshop of these adorable grandmas who sew my product for me. And I, I converted a shop press into a cutting machine, like all these problems. I always eventually found a way, but it was just, it was too hard. Um, the good news is, is that in let, but I was reinventing a wheel. Most products in the world are just alterations on what's already there. So that's the good news. The really, the other really good news is that there is always a way. There's always a way. I've literally invented a new way to sew things. I've literally invented a new way to cut things. I have literally come up with new packaging ways. So it could be done. That's just how much effort you want to put into it. Yeah. Thanks. That was a lot no, no, don't be at all. That was fascinating. Um, do you think, I have no 
way of asking this question without it being kind of a leading question, but I've lately been exploring this idea with a a few people that I've spoken to of um, being naive in a way and how that can sometimes be very helpful. How if you just jump in without necessarily overthinking it or over prepping that that could lead to some eureka moments. Do you have experience with that? Absolutely. That is being naive is the most amazing gift. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, once I got into it, I, I had it like, Oh, everybody telling me you can't do it this way. You can't do it this way. You can't do it this way. Right. And most of them were wrong. <laughs> they were just wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's fine. So, because, you know, uh, also every time they told me I was, I couldn't do it, they, they t- accidentally gave me a piece of information. And so each, there was like a, there was like a piece of, you can't do this because, mm-hmm. and they helped me, I kind of identify the next hurdle to get around, but naiveness is wonderful. Being a cynic is useless. You know, critiquing something that's already there, frankly, yeah. is useless. It's not a creative act. It doesn't do anything. Passing judgment on what's there. I don't, I don't know. Um, having a sense of curiosity, a sense of wonder, a sense of, I wonder how this could be different. Sure. It's simple to sit there and say that it doesn't work that way, or you can't do it that way, or somebody tried and it didn't work. But then when would anything new enter the world? Look at all Mm -hmm. your favorite things. Look at your favorite shows. Look at your favorite actors. Look at your favorite products. Look at, you know, at some point, something like that was completely new and nobody had ever done it before. And your Mm -hmm. life is better because of it. So be the person to do something crazy and new and move, move the world forward a little bit more instead of just critiquing what's there. That's boring. I love that. That, okay. All right. Sharp left. Cause I've been wondering this whole time, what instrument did you play? Oh, I am still a clarinet player. Oh, you're still a clarinet. Oh, that's I beautiful. Last week. It was crazy. Um, oh, yeah, I started off as a clarinetist and a pianist and a cellist as a kid. And then I went into clarinet seriously and I went to like music school and I practiced all day, every day and all that stuff, you know. That's amazing. Do you, so being someone who is creative in so many different media, um, do you suffer from creative blocks? I feel like that's a, uh, duh question. And if you do, how do you get past them? Or what advice would you have for people that may be struggling to tap into their curiosity or their creativity? Ooh, good question. <laughs> um, well, there are a couple, couple things. So my, my actual personal problem is I love ideas mm-hmm. and I can get distracted by ideas and I can fail to follow through on an idea. Um, and so, and then there are other times when I have a problem I really need to solve and I just can't figure it out. So it's like, it's a combination. And actually I have my favorite solution for part of that right here. Um, there's this planner called the passion planner. I've got like 10 passion planners in here. Here's another, here's my, my previous one that I just like went through. They come in lots of colors. They're the greatest. They're led by this amazing woman and this amazing company. And so it's just one of these planners that takes you through this exercise of where do you want to be? your whole life. Where do you want to be in a couple of years? Where do you want to, where do you want to be next year? And where do you want to be in three months? Mm-hmm. And then it says, okay, now what single action would get you closest to, I think it defaults to the three months or one year. What single action would get you closest to that goal? And then break down that action. How do you, what are the steps to getting there? Mm-hmm. Now go to your calendar and put 
the things that would move you forward into certain days on your calendar. And it keeps you focused. So whenever I'm feeling a little bit at loose ends, like what am I getting? I'm not making any progress. or I don't know what to do next. Or there's just the list of to do's is too long and I don't know how to prioritize. I do that exercise. It's at the beginning of a passion planner book. I've actually photocopied it and I do it a million times. Um, if they, they want you to do it like every couple months, but I do it lots. So that's part of it. And then the other part is I read. There's so many amazing books about creativity. There's actually, what's her name? The famous Twyla Tharp. She's mm-hmm. got a fantastic book on creativity. Um, and there are lots of other books like that too, that kind of take you through various exercises, because if you can get out of your head mm-hmm. into somebody else's head, preferably, but out of your own head, <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes you can turn that problem around and see it differently and come back at it with, with an amazing idea. Um, and then the other thing is like, if you are using a planner or if you have any control over your day, when you're a freelancer, it's a little bit harder to control your day, but when you, you can, if it, at some point in your life, start noticing at what time of the day am I the most creative? Mm-hmm. At what time am I kind of the most put together? Um, at what time of the day am I most tired? Yeah. I actually like to batch things. So I actually prefer to not open my email until later because I tend to be the most creative from about 10 a.m. till noon. Mm-hmm. And I want to leave that time open for solving really complex problems or brainstorming new things. So it is not a good idea for me to get to email at 10 a.m. because then I am squandering my best hours. I like to leave it until lunchtime or after lunchtime. And then I kind of plow through those. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And it's kind of, I feel like it's such an elementary idea, but it's like, it's a straightforward idea, but it's like blowing my mind right now. I feel like for me. Who says I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, go for it. She's, 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 she makes multiple she is a freaking hero. She's um, creating movies that nobody has and getting them sold. And she says, are you going to run your day or is your day going to run you? Oh, I just got she gets up and she has these, she has these, like she writes out a five minute plan the night before for what she's going to do first thing. And she only goes according to that plan. And I mean, she has a child, she has people to answer to. She has, she works it in, but she has certain things that she starts her day with that are non-negotiable mm-hmm. and the house has to be burning down for those to take her away from it. And then she'll get to like the, okay, what do people need from me? But she's like, yeah. if you let, if you let your email or the world or people rush in at you, that first moment you wake up, you never gain your day back. It spins mm-hmm. out of control and you're not going to get it. Um, so I, when I, I, when I look at, oh, I can't do it. Life is too hard. I look at all the stuff she's done and I'm like, is, is my day going to run me or am I going to run my day? That's amazing. Oh, I just got chills. I know my favorite way to self-sabotage that is just reflexive at this point is to grab my phone first thing and to just scroll through email and scroll through social media. And then I'm kind of getting these almost like parasitic subconscious ideas in my head of like comparison and overwhelming. Oh, I have to do all these things, but I, I I don't know how to prioritize and what do I focus on? And so like, I'll still be asleep and I won't be processing them. Like I won't realize I'm processing them, but I've already planted these seeds in my mind. And I've recently started doing, I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, the artist's way to kind of unblock myself. Um, And the very first thing that you have to do as part of it is write three pages stream of consciousness. Like, don't talk to anyone. Don't pick up your phone. Nothing. Just do your morning pages. 
And I find that I'm much more connected with myself when I'm able to do that first. But when I grab my phone or when I like allow myself, allow my day to begin running me, as you're saying, then I kind of lose that connection with myself. And then it's almost like those parts of myself don't really trust me to come back to them. Okay. I love that. That's amazing. You're, those parts of yourself don't trust. Yes. You've scared them away. You've yeah. made a place for them. Wow. Okay. You're, you're saying some amazing things. I love your brain. Thank you know, you. Um, I haven't done the artist way, but I was talking to somebody about it and I need to do that. There's kind of another thing you can start doing with social media, especially when you like, so I kind of need to be on social media as work and I need to constantly get better at social media. Um, something I've started doing is I actually, every time I catch myself as I'm scrolling, if something doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. like either, like there's a lot of types of accounts where the humor is very negative mm-hmm. and sometimes it makes me feel stupid. Like, I think it's funny, but it also makes me, it's just like, it's yucky. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people who look a certain way and it's all about, it's about looking a certain way. It's about being a certain way. It's about projecting. And anytime I notice something that doesn't feel great, I actually just unfollow. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit of, I kind of freaked out a couple of years ago. I was like, but I need to follow all these accounts because I'm in the beauty industry and I need to know right, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, this is how I keep. And I was, and I decided that my peace of mind and my ability to feel comfortable in beauty industry was more important than staying up on what everybody's doing. And that if I really needed to know what these companies, people, influencers were up to, I could go and check out their websites or I could actively go and check out their Instagram without following them. So I, every time I catch a twinge, I unfollow, but I had to teach myself to recognize that twinge first. Yeah. Because we are so passive on social media that it can be hard to even recognize which things are making you feel that way. And you might have so many in your feed mm-hmm. that you cannot identify them one by one. So you, like you have to practice getting rid of them and then adding the ones that do feel good. Because kind of like we were saying earlier, the world is huge. Mm-hmm. And while some of those people, companies, influencers would like for you to believe that they're the most important. Mm-hmm. or that they're the taste makers, the world is massive. And the numbers of, of communities are massive. And you can choose the community that works for you. And you can still be in your industry and ignore certain voices. It's, it's, it's varied enough out there. So we have to start recognizing that twinge of this makes me uncomfortable. We have to act on it. Yeah, because we have to make we have to make the places we go safe and creative for us. Yeah. That's so important, safe and creative for us. I completely agree. I feel like, you know, everyone's been obsessed in recent years with Marie Kondo, um, especially now that, you know, she's gained more of a following with Netflix and all of that. And I feel like so many of us did that, right? We went in our closets or we went on our bookshelves. But I feel like that, I feel like we need to do it for our social media as well. Like I started doing that recently. I, stayed up late one night a few weeks ago scrolling through social media and seeing the same kind of women that look a certain way, that have a certain kind of aspirational lifestyle, that have way more money than I have and are doing all of these things. And I was just scrolling, 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 and I did it for hours and then I hated myself. All I could see were the things that I was not after kind of going through that binge. And I was like, nope, I need to go through, like you were saying, go through my feed and anything that doesn't give me that 
pleasure, that joy, that safety unfollow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Because we, so it's, you know, if you ever like listen to the Brene Brown stuff, yes. she would call all, all, all the things, the treats, the stuff, it's a, it's kind of a self-soothing type of activity. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing it or to numb, we're doing it to, to feel better or to give ourselves something. I mean, often like if you're in an uncomfortable social inter- interaction and nobody's doing anything, everyone will pick up their phone. Mm-hmm. It's a distraction and it's a self-soothing action. So if you're going to make it self-soothing, let's make it actually self-soothing. You know, mm-hmm. let's not make it like further aggravating or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, it'd be better if we didn't do quite so much of it. But if we are going to, it needs to at least be positive and healthy for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I had started doing this thing before COVID where I would, it was very uncomfortable in the beginning, but then eventually it became kind of my my like safe space and my way to self-soothe, which was I would take myself out to lunch by myself and I would leave my phone in the car and I would maybe take a book or a sketch pad or something just to have the option. And I would just have a date with myself. And in the beginning, it was very uncomfortable and it was almost visceral where I was like, okay, I don't have my phone. I'm reaching for it, but it's not there. And then after a while, I was like, oh, this is an amazing time where I don't feel obligated to be available to anyone other than myself. And like that hour became, it became so precious and it became something I would guard with my whole life. I would just be like, the world is not going to implode if I take an hour to have this delicious chicken tortilla soup and journal. like." It'll be fine. That's amazing. And, and not to make this about gender, but I, I feel like it's something that women especially feel like kind of we're supposed to be available for the people in our mm-hmm. lives. And um, when you're constantly at, at the world's beck and call, you're not at your own beck and call. You yeah. know, you don't have all of your creative powers and faculties. So giving yourself that gift, that's amazing. I love that. I might have to imitate that. Thank you. Of course. Please do. I I agree with you. I think, you know, women specifically, I mean, I saw it with my mother who was, you know, she's an executive at a huge financial corporation, and yet she still put so much pressure on herself to host parties and have dinner on the table every night and, you know, be the caregiver and do all these things. And... I think that's just something that becomes so embedded in us that we see and that we experience. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's what I have to do. That's my role. Whereas, you know, again, not to generalize, but, you know, I see these guys that they're just like, yeah, I'm going to play video games for three hours because that's my self-care. And I'm like, oh, okay. And instead of, you know, didn't like have to like give themselves permission to do it. It wasn't like a big, I'm going to add that to my life. That was just like what they do. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, this, this gives me joy. Like, Oh, this is what like it's, it's just living in that pleasure. Whereas I feel like a lot of us as women overthink it. And then there's that guilt of like, Oh, I'm taking time for myself. Should I be like, I feel like I should be more available. I feel like, Oh no. And I, yeah. And I don't know, part of me is kind of like, if you just sit back and maybe 
give the world the opportunity to burn, the likelihood is it won't. So, I mean, maybe just, maybe just some see. people will learn to put the fires out and that's kind of a good skill to have. 100%. 100%. Amazing. Okay. So I want to go back to your amazing brand. So you went through this process, you zeroed in on this is what it's going to look like. This is how we're going to produce it. This is what's going to be made of. Um, I love that it's so mission driven too. Like you support so many amazing organizations and there's, I also love, you know, going back to women, female empowerment is woven through the brand, which I was like, yes, more, more women supporting women being leaders and being founders and doing it in a different way than it's always been done. So I just had to fangirl about that for a moment. Man, that's... (laughs) making me blush. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, some of the stuff you're saying, I mean, it's lovely, but we're not doing as much as we want to, because again, we're actually still not profitable. So it's challenging. How do you grow a brand? (laughs) So we're not, we're not working with venture capital. We're not working with, you know, large money here. How do we, how do you grow? How do you do the things you need to do? Um, Lots of the brands out there that you see basically had a venture capitals come in and, provide large amounts of money to grow the brand. And that's, that's not at all a bad thing. That's just one way to grow. Mm -hmm. And so how do you live out your ideals when you don't have those kinds of funds, because you've either that wasn't an option, or you didn't opt to go that path. Mm -hmm. So I really aspire to do a lot more. Um, but right now we have to look for like, how can we, how can we help the the organizations we care about? Well, we can do partnerships. We can call awareness. Um, how can we empower more women? Well, we can't hire enough of them yet. So we can do some internships, you know, things like that. So we will always be looking for it. And then, you know, the basic premise is just that the entire product itself hopefully is, is creating much more good in the world. I mean, third world countries, the production of cheap cotton, like it's so mind bogglingly depressing and it's primarily produced by child labor. So if we can reduce the amount of cotton produced in that way with all of that harm, that's a service in its own. But um, we're, we're not yet any kind of model brand that I would like for us to be, but um, we're trying to bake it in to the model even before we're profitable so that when we are profitable, it's just a habit and it's just how we do things. I love that. So I want to, um, so I don't know if you're going to be comfortable with this. One thing that I really like to do when I have guests on is I love to kind of heart, I believe strongly in manifestation. I believe very strongly. And if you put it out there and you take the steps toward it, you know, the energy of the universe and the community will help kind of clear the path for you. So you know where to go to achieve that. And so what I like to do is, um, hopefully harness the, the, communal manifestation of the listeners of this program and ask my guest, do you have a vision that you would like to see for the future of what you're building? And can we manifest that for you? Wow. Do you mind sharing that? Best interview ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So what I want is um, I want, because this is for me and it's for some other people too. Um, I want a team mm-hmm. that is working on probably about, because I've got two more environmental products in my head that I want to launch next. So I'm trying to get this one going more because I've got yes. some of the things. 
So I want, um, I want my core team mm -hmm. to be working on all three brands and I want to take my face off to kind of be gathering steam. So that's a little bit more self-propelling. Mm -hmm. And so that we, we take some of this knowledge that we've learned about um, manufacturing and fabrics and some things and work them into some other areas that I've got. And I want that core team to have a mentorship program for young women. I want, um, I want that team to be doing some charitable initiatives in um, the area of garment production, because that whole world really troubles me. And I feel like oh, yeah. one of the things we can do is we can make some improvements in that entire sector while we actually create our products. Um, and I want, uh, I'm, I'm the overall, I am working on this idea of consumer products that are leaner, mm -hmm. that like a, a business model that does not require as many samples, that does not require as many like little freebies wrapped in plastic, mm -hmm. that doesn't require gift with purchase. That's another thing that's going to get thrown away. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I'm working on this entire kind of model that is a little bit less wasteful, is a little bit more elegant. And um, we charge a fair price for what we do mm -hmm. instead of charging some people a massive price and then occasionally giving massive discounts. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And just more sustainable, more doable, less, less, less about burnout, less about crazy hustle and less about waste. Mm -hmm. And this core team that then deploys people here, there and everywhere. Um, so and it, there's not a lot of that happening in the world right now. But again, I it's something I want to see. So so I'm 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 working to create it. I love that. Okay. Well, everyone, you heard it here. And if people are interested in finding out more, in helping, contributing in some way, in shopping the brand, um, where can they find you? Where can they buy you? Go ahead and plug all the things. Um, makeup artist in LA can find us at Namie's. Um, let's see. The easiest place to find us right now are actually Amazon and my website, takemyfaceoff.com. And I will say, by the way, a lot of people hate Amazon. Totally understand. However, Amazon actually is kind of really not a bad place for small businesses to sell. So if you know a small business who is selling on Amazon, like actually it's the small business selling that product, that's actually not a bad place to, to support them. It's, it's actually pretty good for them. So Amazon and takemyfaceoff.com, get yourself some middies. Um, even if you don't use middies, please don't use wipes. Please don't use mm -hmm. cotton balls. I actually don't think it's, it's not a terrible idea to cut up old t-shirts and use those. Great. They're softer than washcloths and they're much better for the environment. So it's not that you have to use a midi, please do, but you don't have to. Just don't use these um, single use cotton balls and single use disposable wipes because that's, you don't want me to depress you. It's not good. <laughs> that's how you can support that. If anybody has any questions for me, you can always reach me at amanda at takemyfaceoff.com. Um, I love talking about product development. I love talking about manufacturing. I love talking about marketing. And I even love talking about intellectual property rights, um, like all the crazy stuff. Um, anybody has questions, I love talking. And anytime there's somebody who could use some of my information, nothing makes me happier than to share it. So please be in touch. I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being here on the Makeup Artist Chronicle. I've loved this conversation and it's been such a joy and a pleasure to get to know you and to share you with my audience. Thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough for the most thoughtful questions I have ever heard. This was so much fun. I love how your brain works. And oh, please, let's talk again sometime. Thank you. I Oh, we're friends now. We're, we're going we're gonna to take this off air for sure.
Excellent. Thank you. Okay, seriously, did I deliver or did I deliver? How amazing was that conversation? I just want to say huge, huge thank you to Amanda. Thank you for coming on the show, for sharing your truth and being so open and so vulnerable and so enthusiastic. There were some golden nuggets of information on her process and her journey. And I really hope that everyone listening really found it inspirational. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I hope you also found it inspirational and you got to see her beautiful skin so you know it works. Now it's that time to wrap up the episode. I'm so, so grateful that you were here, that you spent this time with me and with Amanda. I will talk to you next week for a brand new episode, second one of 2022. In the meantime, call my hotline 877-THE-MUAC. Leave me a voicemail with your pivotal beauty memory or any questions you might have about the beauty industry, makeup, skincare, anything at all. There are no silly questions. I will talk to you next week. All my love from the Makeup Artist Chronicle podcast. Bye. Give me that microphone.